Blog Talk Radio. You are now listening to Uncut Sports Talk, featuring your host, Rhino, Brian Casher. I've known for a long time that you have no clue about baseball, and you literally go into a little room that's set up Moneyball style. You got four-eyed Bill in there, reading off algorithms about players' talents, successes, whatever you guys punch into those things, you know, skills. But for Christ's sake, can you move away from the computer one time and let me enlighten you on something? We won 100 fucking games in the regular season last year. 100. We got our tits absolutely blown off in the postseason. And let me enlighten you on something else. Judge Plain and your co-host, Paz. The NFL is a joke. Um... The players, I feel bad for the players, honestly. Like, there's a lot of guys that probably, uh, you know, there's a lot of guys on that New Orleans team that, you know, are, are the 53rd man on that roster. And that extra $75,000 that they would have gotten for going to the Super Bowl, um, you know, in terms of the playoff checks, is probably a huge deal to them. I feel really bad for those guys. Um, I don't really give a shit about the, the, the top guys as much, obviously. But, I mean, like, lives are changed. Careers are changed. Um, you know, even the coaches, too. Same thing. Like, there's a lot of those ancillary coaches that if they get their you know their their offensive line to the Super Bowl maybe they're up for a you know a, a an offensive coordinator job somewhere or you know something like that it's it, it's it's just a, a a snowball that starts at the top of the mountain and just completely continues gathering momentum gathering growth until it it hits the bottom guys and unfortunately those are the guys that suffer what's going on everybody welcome to Episode 35, Uncut Sports Talk featuring Rhino and Friends, our February 28, 2019 Thursday night show. I'm your host, Rhino. 657-331692 is the number to call in. Talk to us. Feel bad for my partner here. He confided in me that his favorite sport, passionate sport, is soccer, which we have not covered over 35 episodes in five months. Had to deal with intellectual society yesterday, or unintellectual society yesterday. How's it going tonight? Pause. It's a Thursday. Things should be up on the horizon for you. Yes, they are. Being as though it's uh, Thursday night, we got some big, big news stories to go over from today. And, uh, you know, looking forward to a, a nice um, college basketball weekend, a couple of big games, and, uh, yeah, just the weekend in general. All right. Uh, start off as we always do with our little college basketball review. If you, you know, wanted to call in and talk about something else, we have no problem, uh, you know, moving off the topic onto something else. Uh, Monday, when we were on, <clears throat> Florida State beats Notre Dame by seven. Um, didn't get to see it since we were on the uh, on the radio already. Uh, you got to beat Notre Dame by more than seven. Uh, you know, I'm not really all that in love with this Florida State team, as we've spoken about on several episodes now. Um, they could, they'll, they'll make a little bit of noise in the tournament, but um, I'm not, you know, I'm not going all in on this team. I'm not, you know, feeling all that great about them. Um, they're they're a mid-pack ACC team, competitive, can beat many in the top 25, but um, I would say they're like third tier, in my opinion. And uh, at home against a team like Notre Dame, is you got to do more against this squad. Uh, pause on this one. 
Yeah, like you, like you, uh, we were on the air when the the game was going on. I personally think they, you know, look, just looking at the box score and the way things were going, they were basically losing the entire game. Uh, and then the last like 10 minutes or so kind of turned it on and, and took over. And, you know, and then it ended up being a somewhat comfortable win, I guess you could call it. Uh, but yeah, you have to beat Notre Dame by a little bit more than that. Um, but I am higher on them than you are. I still am pretty high on them. I think they're going to be a very tough out for no matter who they play. Uh, in the in the tournament, so I'm looking forward to, you know, to using them and, and to seeing them play a few more times uh, before I ultimately make my final decisions. But uh, I think I can definitely foresee this team making a, a nice little run in the tournament. All right, the only other top 25 game at the time, uh, Kansas State Kansas. Uh, this is another one that we missed the. Uh, I think Paz watched a, a good amount of the first half, but I I don't uh, watch the TV when I'm on here just so I don't make mistakes as a bad multitasker. Uh, I watched the second half. I just didn't think Kansas State looked all that great. Um, look, I I don't really like this conference at all. Uh, Kansas State didn't impress me. Kansas is missing all these dudes. Um, I don't know. This to me is a kind of a bad loss for Kansas State. I'm not really sure. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I am. Uh, nothing's changing my mind. I don't care what the conference tournament shows me. I don't care what the next two or three weeks shows me. I am completely against this entire conference in the March Madness bracket. Um, as you will see, I'm sure we'll do a programming, some type of special March Madness. Uh, you know, bracket release from myself, pause, and maybe a couple other special guests or something like that, but neither here nor there. Um, yeah, I just don't like the Big 12 at all. I think they're all shysters. We'll get on a game yesterday that I watched. It is another Big 12 team. It's a complete fraud. Um, I just hate, I hate the conference. I don't think anyone is all that impressive, and um, I thought Kansas State looked crappy in this one, and, you know, you got to be closer than this against a Kansas team home away you know, doesn't make any difference. You want to give them some points for being at home. Fine. Uh, to lose by 15. That's a different story. Uh, pause on this one. Yeah, I saw this entire game. I, the, I will say the, the refereeing in this game wasn't ideal from a Kansas state perspective. There were a few times where you and I were, you know, talking back and forth in that second half where, guys on the, you know, Kansas State players were just getting destroyed and they weren't calling a lick and then, you know, coming down the floor and, and you know, you you breathe on a Kansas player and, and they were getting calls. So I, I don't want to put – I don't want to say that I'm totally against them in any way or, you know, this loss really – like this is one of those games I'm just going to kind of put a line through for Kansas State. Um, the one thing I will say – is that Dean Wade looked very uh, – I don't know if he looked a little tentative. I don't know if he's – he's obviously still not 100% healthy, which he's just not going to be 100% healthy the rest of the season. I think everyone that's backing them or watching them knows that or just has to expect it. That scares me come tournament time because they're going to be playing a quick turnaround game, assuming they win – Let's just say they play Thursday. They're going to be playing Saturday. Let's say they make it to the Sweet 16. They win Thursday. They're playing Saturday. So they're going to be in a, you know, one night, one day off, play the next day type scenario. And that scares me a little bit with Wade. He just didn't, he didn't look like himself. He got into early foul trouble. He wasn't moving his feet as quickly. I just think that that quick turnarounds with him are going to be an issue going forward. And if he's not playing 
at the top of his game. I don't know if this team can can compete with, you know, a top two or three seeds because they're going to end up being a they're going to end up being a four or five seed and they'll win their first game because they're just better and, and more talented than, than the team they're going to be playing. But then when they, you know, being in the five seed, when they go up against that four seed or if they're the four seed going up against the five seed, you know, that's going to be a tough game for them. And if they don't have weight at a hundred percent or close to a hundred percent, whatever, you know, whatever it is, uh, I don't know. I, I'm not sure how, uh, how to feel about them going forward. Whereas I, you know, I've, uh, everyone's heard me on the radio with them and, and talking about them. I'm, I'm kind of in love with them and, you know, I think they can really make a big impact in the tournament, but seeing that on Monday night kind of scared me a little bit. Um, so we'll just, I just have to kind of monitor him going forward and see how he plays in the big 12 tournament. If he can kind of put two or three uh, quick turnaround games uh, together and look good and, and, and look healthy, then that'll, my, my apprehension about it will subside. But until I really see that happening, I, that's going to be in the back of my mind that I'm going to absolutely have to take into account, um, that, you know, take, take that into account when, uh, making brackets and bets and whatever. Yeah, I do. Uh, I I did want to know. I do agree with you. The, the the refereeing in that game was was pretty atrocious. There's no doubt about that. I'll have to check out the see the box score and see who those three guys were. But there's there's a trio. There's two trios that are just absolutely atrocious. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it was one of the two. Uh, on the Tuesday, uh, Duke Virginia Tech. I really don't have much to say about this. Look, I don't I don't care. I really don't care about the loss. It means nothing. As I mentioned several times. I don't care what seed they go in. If Zion Williamson is on this Duke team, there's nobody in the NCAA that has a shot at beating them. Plain and simple, they're on the next level. Um, I mean, there's even people talking now that they could literally lose the next two and drop out of the first round of the ACC tournament and still get a first seed. That's how meaningful Zion Williamson is. I don't want to hear that Justin Robinson is equal of talent as Zion Williamson. Typical clickbait. that's only something they would post just to get some feed. Justin Robinson couldn't fucking put on one of Zion Williamson's socks. Uh, Plain and simple. Duke's just not the same team. Um, I do think this is one of the, there's a, I would say there's a handful, maybe two handfuls of times that I really thought that coach K has been out coached in a game. I thought this was this one for sure. Uh, again, you take Joey Baker's red shirt and burn it. He plays five minutes uh, against Cuse. He plays one minute in this one. Jack White is completely schooled on the defensive side of the ball. He now takes his streak of uh, threes to 0 for his last 31. Uh, ter- two terrible turnovers. His four points came off of two balls that Barrett drew tri- triple teams on that he was just sitting there next to the rim, basically caught it and was just able to get in. Um, Barrett looked uh, uh, Barrett is shitting himself in the entire first half, literally, and throwing up, uh, according to Coach K's post game. So not only was he, he did he have diarrhea, as they said on the, the the regular ESPN cast, he's also throwing up. That's why he went to the bench, ran back to the locker room four times, throwing up and and doing the bathroom. If I knew that, I would have never told anybody to go all in Virginia Tech. Basically, Duke plays this game down their two best players because Barrett couldn't even function in the first half without having to run to the bathroom. So you basically played without Zion a whole game, without Barrett entire first half um there was multiple times where goldwire white and alex o'connell were your your three guys in at one time with javi who are four guys who really just can't even score at all um with with trey uh, like 
good luck with that. Um, and I just this this game means nothing. Honestly, it means nothing to me. Like I said, whether they're a, tw- uh, a 16 seed or a one seed, they're not getting beat by anybody if Zion returns. Um, and I don't care if he doesn't play this weekend. I don't care if he doesn't play against Miami. Don't care if he doesn't play against Carolina or the whole ACC tournament. Uh, as long as he's back for the tournament, this is this is Duke's year. Period. Um, and Virginia Tech shoots 30% from three. Look, we just, um, look, Bolden got schooled on the inside of the paint, did by Blackshear the entire game. Uh, it completely embarrassed him. Two moves, so he's left him in his socks. He left Reddish in his socks one time. Uh, Reddish turned the ball over a ton, too. So while his shooting was all right, three for six, which is okay, 50%, I'll take it. Shot six for 13 from the field. Otherwise, uh, I'll take it. But he also threw the ball away, like, right for easy uh, breakaway points by five. Um it's a close end to, you know, you play this game of that two, your best, your two best players. And, um, we're within like one with like a 40, 40 or 50 seconds to play. So look, that's how the cards are going to fall. Uh, VTech did the same exact thing. Everybody else has done with Zion being out, just went right to a forward, buried the inside and Bolden and, and Javi and Jack White get exposed again. Uh, Javi had three, White had three, Bolton had four fouls. So uh, it's just the same protocol that everybody else is doing. Why not? Uh, if everybody else is doing it, it's working. You do the same exact thing. Uh, Syracuse couldn't close enough when they had the opportunity to do so, couldn't close it out. Uh, Virginia Tech, Florida State, um, North Carolina all do the same exact thing or successful with it. So um, this will be the same way as it's going forward, but there's really not much to say about a team that's going to be completely different in the next hopefully in the next one or two weeks when Zion returns. And that's really, it's really about it. Pause on this one. Uh, yeah. You kind of hit everything right on the head. I, I don't really have too much to add. Um, I, I do think that coach K has to talk to the NCAA and stop allowing them to schedule Virginia tech on February 26th because they've lost the last three times against them that they played them on February 26th. So uh, I think, he needs to go to the powers that be and make sure that this Virginia Tech game gets moved uh, out of the month of February just to be safe uh, for next season. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't really have too much to add. They, they're just a completely different team with Zion. Um, Trey needs to uh, – I feel like he just is lacking a little bit of confidence. I know you said that the other night. Um, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm sure you'll second it right here. But, yeah, he just looks – not confident. Um, even if he knocks a shot down or whatever, it's kind of like he, you know, he still doesn't have the confidence at all. It almost, he almost looks like, like a Ben Simmons to me where, you know, he'll take a three every once in a while, but he just has no confidence that the shots actually going in. Um, so I don't know. I, I think he's, he's a much better shooter than that. And he just needs to, or will be getting more open shots when Zion gets back. But, um, you know, they're going to definitely need him to score as, you know, the third or fourth option when, you know, if tournament teams or in the tournament when they're playing those good teams, if they kind of do the same thing where they're packing in the paint and and things like that and letting guys shoot from the outside, um, he's definitely going to be needed to make a big shot or two. Yeah, he's definitely lacking confidence. I did mention that. He's doing the double clutch a lot, which tells me that he's thinking about it way too much. Um, no doubt about that. My, I, my only 
not that disagreement, but I see it a little bit differently. Uh, he was known coming in as into Duke as a facilitator and a complete lockdown defender, whereas kind of Tyus was coming in as a facilitator, but and also a good shooter. And I just think that when you have Zion, Barrett, O'Connell, and uh, Reddish, now he's facilitating. He's got three guys that could score. Now they're just leaving him wide open, and he's expected to become this great shooter. Does he need to hit a few here and there? Absolutely. With it being wide open, you've got to hit a couple of those just to keep the defense honest. But I just I never expected him to be an elite shooter like his brother, and I just think that now he's kind of trying to shoulder a little bit more of the load, and it's just while people think his shot's getting exposed, I think it's just more of an exposure of him being a facilitator and lockdown defender as as they you know as advertised, and it's just uh, becoming more apparent that those are his skills, and now with you know Zion being out, he's being looked at as the third man to score and. Uh, it's just not really the player he is. So, But I do agree with you. He does need to hit a couple here and there just to keep the defense honest, just to you know give Zion and Barrett a little more open looks, and uh, that does definitely need to happen. Um, next up was Kentucky and Arkansas. Just, I mean, look, again, this is another one there's not much to speak about. Um, Arkansas... Uh, it's it, you know UK does the same thing all the time. It's the regular season. They just they play in one half. They don't play in the other half. Nothing new. It's really just it's it's honestly tiring and it seems repetitive. Um, they're down by 11 at half at home to Arkansas and then outscoring 42-27 in the second half. Like what a surprise! You've heard this story at least six. I know we alone have mentioned at least six times this year. So. Um, what else is new? Uh, Arkansas even extended to 14 with the three right out of the second half, and then uh, extended to 15 with 18-22, and then Kentucky just took over, chopped it to 13, then chopped it to 11, chopped it to nine, and basically it just continued to trickle, trickle down. All up by the 13-minute mark, they had it within six. Um, three-pointer extended back to nine, <clears throat> excuse me, nine, but then it was seven, then it was five, then it was four, and then uh, Kentucky just basically finishes it off. They're up, uh, they go up three with 410 remaining and really just never look back from there. They had the lead as big as six with 241 to go, uh, close it out by four. Um, just typical Kentucky regular season game. It's, it's just repetitive to talk about it really any more than that. Pause. Yeah, uh, Nothing to add. No, no reason to waste any more time on it. Uh, uh, slight look-ahead game as well since they're playing Tennessee on Saturday. Yeah. Uh, Q's North Carolina. Um, I was tuned into a different one, which well, I'm sure we'll be getting to shortly. Uh, I just um, – or I was tuned into a different one. Um, look, I, I – this, this – UNC team is getting touted as the hottest team in basketball right now. I haven't loved them all year. They're down by three at half. They outscore Syracuse 50 to 39. Syracuse is not very good. They'll probably get in the tournament. They'll probably be the playing game again and then win it and then go on this run like they always do. But I just, I don't think they're that good this year. Um, And um, look, they have, uh, I mean, they really dominated UNC the entire second half. It took a late or first half. It took a late run to even get it within three, but then UNC right out of the second half hits a three, ties it up, and 
Um, if Syracuse hit a three back, responded, then Kobe White hits a three. And then with 17.43 left, UNC goes up 51.49, never uh, relinquishes the lead again after that. Uh, followed by the 15-minute mark, they had already extended to seven. And then by the, the next possession, they extended to nine. So, I mean, um, look, it's just, you know, I don't know. I don't. I don't love this UNC team at all, really. And uh, actually, Syracuse closed it to the tie game with 11 left. Yeah. See, so yeah, I was watching something else. But I, I don't know. I, I, I. This is to me. This is a bad. You know, like Zion with Zion. You know, they blow Syracuse out of the water without him. Um, you know, Duke went down to the wire with them too. North Carolina should be able to do better than that at home too. That's something that Duke did on the road. Um, See, with eight left, they have they're up three. Yeah, so I guess with about six left, they basically put this game away. But I, I don't know. I'm just I'm still just not impressed with North Carolina. Like uh, I don't know. They dropped to a Louisville team who we'll also touch on later on. They drop a game by 25 to barely beat guys. You know, teams like Syracuse can't beat Virginia. Duke beats Virginia twice. I, I don't know. I'm not in love with this team. I think people are really going to ride them high, and I will be pretty excited to be able to ride against them you know i'll have them they'll go on their you know first second weekend for sure but um i'll definitely be looking the other way there especially if they come up and steal a number one seed because you know duke drops a few here um you know with zion being out pause yeah one thing you do have to say about north carolina is that they can absolutely score with anybody but even though if you look at if you take a look at um you know some adjusted stats and things like that um, they are ranked in the top 15 in uh, adjusted defense, but I do feel like you can score on them. I don't feel like, you know, uh, as another another good team, I don't. Uh, that's the problem with them. I, I don't think they can really stop anybody. If you if you kind of get my drift, I understand. Like I said, I, I understand the stats, and it kind of bears out that they're top 15 in adjusted defense, but they don't scare me on the defensive end. So I do think that they run into the problem of possibly needing to get a stop against a, an efficient offensive team and they just won't be able to do so. So that part of them scares me, but otherwise, I mean, they're always going to have a shot because of the fact the way they can score. So it's sort of a double-edged sword um, with them, but I, I think I like them a little bit more than you do as well. Um, you know, getting back to like the Florida State comments and things like that. There's a few teams I think that we we kind of see eye to eye on that that other people like more, and both of you and I are are kind of off on. But we also you and I we differ on a on a couple of teams where I'm a little higher on them than than you are, and you know, vice versa. So the North Carolina is one of them. I think they're a legit title contender right now, and uh, we'll just kind of see how the how the rest of the regular season go see how they are against Duke on their home floor hopefully Zion will be back so you can at least get a you know a better feel for them against the full Duke team and you know kind of place them against the top of the the upper echelon of the NCAA but um, yeah I I think they're a legit title contender um, as of today interesting who are your other title contenders Um, I think Obviously, Duke, I think I'm sort of coming back around to Virginia. Uh, I think Kentucky has a legit shot. I think Purdue has a chance to go deep. I think – I still think Kansas State has a shot to go deep. Um, I'm not going to call them a a legit title contender, but 
I mean, that's five teams right there that I think are the only five teams that you can pick from to win. And maybe Michigan State. Sorry. If uh, if Ward comes back, I think Michigan State definitely has a shot as well. Not that I'm telling people any anything that, you know, is that out of the out of the uh, left field because they're all going to be one or two seeds. So, but those are my sort of five uh, title contenders as of this moment. Okay. Um, all right. Texas A&M, LSU, LSU blows uh, Texas A&M as they should on their home court uh, by in the first half by 16. They basically just coast the second half. Um, if you look, kind of look at the box score, um, a lot of their starters didn't, you know, sat for five to 10 minutes, just trying to get some rest besides Reed, who was trying to get, I would, I would think they played him more minutes just to try to get him out of the funk that he was in against Tennessee. I, he didn't have a basket till um, about three minutes left in the for, in overtime. So um, plays like the full 38 and Smart, who's you know he's a bench player, uh, plays 37. Everybody, uh, the rest of their starters, you know, sat either four 14 minutes, sat seven minutes, sat 13 minutes. So uh, they try to spread around here, and they, that just tells me they just try to coast for the second half, get out of uh, get out of their home court with a victory over a conference foe, move on to the next three. Uh, pause. Anything on this one? Nah, I didn't watch this at all, so I can't really comment. But, you know, again, LSU playing a somewhat close game. Um, you know, this is the first this is the first game that, uh, you know, they played or, no, what was it, 26 at, or 20 out of 26 were within nine points. So, I guess this one was yeah, something like nine that. points, obviously. But, yeah, but, uh, finally. Yeah, again, not a, not a real blowout type game, you know. No, absolutely not. Uh, Wisconsin, Indiana. So this game actually put me to sleep. Um, I was actually like, I actually like was falling asleep with my phone in my hand, texting my partner here. Um, That's how awful this game was. Um, Wisconsin looked awful. Indiana looked awful. They were so bad on offense. There was like literally points in the game where I was just like, I was praying for somebody to hit a shot or to miss a shot because it just had to end. And like, I I felt like that if I wasted all those two and a half hours watching the game that I couldn't just go to bed at this point in time that I like had to stay up or I would just done myself an injustice in life for wasting three hours of my life on this game. So I kept staying up and I was actually like, didn't have a wager on it, nothing, but I was actually hoping for whatever team it was to hit one or miss one or do whatever they had to do at the free throw line because there was like 50 scenarios where like all we needed was a miss and then they would hit it. All we needed was a hit, they would miss. All we needed was them to hit two or two, they'd go one or two. All we needed to hit one, they would go, oh, it was just a a display of god-awful basketball. Um, The more and more I watch Wisconsin, the more and more I just cannot stand them. Uh, with that being said, like Indiana, in my opinion, is a good uh, good team stuck in the Big Ten. They're like a Clemson to me, where if they were in another conference, like the likes of Wofford and Houston and Nevada, they would be in the tournament. But since they're in the Big Ten and they get stuck at 14 and 14, just like Northwestern, who should not, who's, who's a better than a 13 and 14 team, uh, these guys would be in. But they're in the Big Ten and now they're out. Uh, so the loss not so bad, but I, this 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 game was just awful. Um, 
just awful. I don't know. Uh, pause. If you have any more to add than that, uh, I'm not, I know we share the same sentiment, but uh, I guess. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm again, another game where I'm not going to waste too much time. Um, it was, it was a lot of bad basketball being played in that game. And uh, it, it was very, very uh, slow, I guess, you know, both of the, neither one of these teams. Um, so I'm just looking at tempo statistics. Indiana's ranked, 244th in the NCAA and Wisconsin is ranked 340th in the NCAA and that's out of 353 teams so they weren't they certainly weren't blazing up and down the court and you know it was it it was it and the game lasted for it literally lasted three hours so it it was just yeah that I forgot about like this the seven reviews too that we had to sit through yeah, there exactly was a well. review to so, see if a guy had his tie, his shoe tied. I mean, oh my god, forgot that. Yeah, it was, it was awful. It was just like you said, one of those games where you were just hoping, hoping and praying that it was going to be over because you just didn't want to watch it anymore. But you also invested so much time in it that if you didn't see the end of it, you kind of felt like you wasted your life. You know, you wasted three hours of your life. Which, I mean, ultimately yeah. we did waste three hours of our lives. But you know, yeah. at least we saw the end of it, right? Yeah. <laughs> But uh, um, as far as Wisconsin goes, yeah. as far as yeah. Wisconsin goes, I kind of hope they go on a run because I really want to play against them. Um, I don't like them at all. Uh, I think that any decent guard team is going to pick them apart and, and kind of destroy them. So I really want them to go on a run in, in the Big Ten tournament and maybe get up to like a four seed or something. And then you can just kind of, you know, you pick them to lose week one because, you know, the first game because – if they happen to lose, then you get the points, but then they'll probably end up losing the next game anyway. So, um, you know, that's kind of what I what I hope to see from a gambling perspective. Yeah, uh, I'm with you there. I've said that about three or four teams now. That that's my hope, or or, Mar- or someone like Marquette, where I like that. I actually wanted that loss to Nova, so they would maybe drop one or two spots, but. Uh, Buffalo beats Akron by 13. I just have nothing here. Like, I just really can't speak on these shitty teams, like taking out a team that's 15 and 13 at home. Uh, like, I just can't speak on Buffalo anymore. So I'll just do another one just because I'm probably, I'm sure you're going to say the same about the Buffalo game. Uh, Iowa, Ohio state, uh, again, uh, and pause has been saying this, especially pause, uh, has been saying this all season. Like this Iowa team is so road home. um, uh, what can I say? They're they're like they need home court advantage and they're terrible on the road. I, I guess it's just in a in a layman's terms instead of just using a, a fun analogy. Um, how you get blown out by twenty to Ohio State is is beyond me. I don't know. Uh, yes, I understand the Big Ten is good. Ohio State eighteen and ten. The Big Ten is good, but like run run with them a little bit i mean to get beat by 20 and i mean this game was like a 31 point game at one point in time it's not like like you know we're talking like an eight point game that got extended to 20 on the free throw line and 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 iowa trying to toss up threes to you know get it get it back to where they need to be and they just keep missing so they're it ends up being 20 i mean this was the opposite this was like a 31 turn into 20 so i i look i big ten's great Ohio State probably maybe slides in. They're probably actually playing for their life the next two weeks here or maybe playing for their life for a play-in, but I'm sure they're on some type of bubble. Um, but there's no excuse for being down 31 to this team. Uh, home away, I, I don't really care. Pause? Yeah, it's, 
it's just well, it's just like you said the uh, the road home splits for this team for this Iowa team uh, really are not good and that doesn't bode well for them come tournament time. I think they are talented, but they just can't be trusted and they play no defense on the road or you know when they're able to have the the whole their home uh, you know their home fans sort of sort of urge them on and things like that they can get stops but uh, man they're they're just awful defensively so I think that's really going to hinder them uh, going forward and yeah maybe they win a game but I I really can't see it and like you said also with Ohio State I, I think they're talented I think they're probably they're definitely they're absolutely on the bubble because as you and I have spoken about the bubble is absolutely awful this year. So if you don't make the tournament this year as as a power 5 in a power 5 conference, you have nothing to complain about ever again because if you can't make the tournament this year, you just you literally did not do enough to make the tournament because the bubble is awful. Like we're considering teams like um like Utah State and Florida and like things like that are like teams that are currently on the bubble. So if you if you're not getting in if you if you're not in the bracket picture right now you really just don't deserve to be and I think Ohio State probably has enough wins to he has to he has them as them. a ten right now not like I really love yeah. this stuff but he does he has them in as a ten so uh, not yeah, not think, a terrible spot at, not great but not yeah. terrible yes yeah, so I think at worst they might be in like one of the play in games at some point but I think they with their I'm pulling up their schedule right now. Um, let me see. With their wins, the win against Iowa, obviously. Uh, who else do they have? Um, at Illinois, I don't know. Beat Cincinnati. Um, I don't know. Lost a close game to Syracuse. Yeah. They're, I, I, look, they're not great cheeks. It's not like I'm telling, sitting here telling you that, um, you know, they're they're going to be world beaters or, or this and that. But with the way the bubble is this year, a win, you know, a home win to Iowa and a win against Indiana and a win against, uh, you know, Cincinnati sort of gets you in because the bubble is just so bad this year, you know. And if they're able to pull off one of these next two, they're playing Purdue – Northwestern and Iowa, if they're able to go two of three in that, uh, you know, in the last three games, I think they're they're almost yeah. certainly in. Yeah, that should improve them too. Hmm. Interesting. All right, uh, it moves us to Wednesday. Um, really, not much to say about this one. Uh, Georgia Tech is the the bottom feeders of the ACC this year with Wake. Uh, Virginia pounds them by thirty. They're up by almost 20 or up by 19 and a half. Uh, I'll just kind of skip that one. There's really not much to talk about. Um, yeah. Georgia tech's not good offensively or defensively. So Virginia hanging 81 on them. That's just, that's just a scratch through game for me. Uh, gets us to one that actually has some importance, Tennessee old miss. So uh, again, uh, we've brought this up a billion times. Uh, we had a guest caller six, seven, eight weeks ago, thought Tennessee was overrated, uh, Rick. And look, uh, there's nothing that, um, that any of us can say that can dispute that now. Um, they get their tits blown off by Kentucky. Um, they continue to be in these closed games. Their strength of schedule is in the mid 100s. Uh, it's just, you know, it's the same shit with this team. They're in way too many closed games, teams they should blow out in a bad conference. They don't. 
Um, they had this game wrapped, locked again, and this is, I feel like we use the same, I use the same exact thing from every week. Tennessee's got the game racked, uh, racked, locked up, over with, they're heading out of the stadium, did do something to blow it, or, and this was the same exact thing against um, LSU, game was over, they got a six, seven point lead, can't lock it up. What I, in their defense, I will say this, um, this kid Waters put on one of the, you know, best, what will I'll go, I'll say as like probably non-watched, non-March Madness last minutes I've seen in a long, long time. So, uh, you know, I text pause this. It's, you know, it's basically between a two and a five point game from the 10 minute mark in the entire second half being exchanged back and forth. Tennessee with a lot of just terrible possessions. Wait, was this the game with Waters? No, so Waters played no, Texas. I was, was thinking, about to jump in. That's right. Oh yeah, so my Waters bad. Wrong was one. Texas Tech. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, so yeah, so that's that's a different game anyway. But any, so yeah, so this was the right game. So there's there's there this game is between two and five and seven the entire second half. There's no reason that Tennessee Tennessee should be in a game this close. Then they got to come back with four minutes left just to go up by one. They go down by two with two to play. They go uh, Showfield hits one and two. They go they're still down by one with two to play. They go down by three with 33 seconds left. Um, Bowden hits a, a, a huge jumper uh, to put them within one with 18 seconds left. Um, uh, what's his, uh, Grant Williams fouls a dude. He misses the top one and he comes, Grant Williams comes back in, hits the jumper and gets fouled. Um, yeah, look, they just shouldn't be in games. Like, Old Miss is not a good basketball team. They're, they're eight, 19 and nine because they're in the SEC. And this is, it's the same story with this team. Every single week, we, I, again, I use the same shit. They have the game wrapped done it's over with uh there was a point in this game where i actually thought that i i used grant williams in my fan duel and i actually thought they were going to take him out because the game was getting a little bit out of control and i was like oh come on like don't get crazy because i you know i need him in the game to pick up his stats like they have a nine point lead at one time in this game like but it's the same shit with them same against lsu they're up seven the game is over with and they just let it uh, you know like crumble uh, yeah, like right here. With 15 minutes to go in the game, they're, they're up by nine. Uh, like, there's no reason. There's just no reason. It's the same shit. And I'm just, you know, all the way down to 12. They're still up eight. It's just, I'm kind of just off this team. I just don't, I, I, you know, I keep wanting to think they're they're better than they are. Or I kept giving them credit or saying, you know, whatever. But, you know, this just gives us more opportunity where Paz and I kept saying the same thing, or uh, especially me, like te- what you do at home against Kentucky and what you do on the road against Kentucky doesn't mean shit to me. So all I'm going to get to see from Tennessee all year is what they did earlier in the year, because everybody else in the SEC is dog shit, so what am I supposed to make of them? And But they keep giving us opportunities to find out what they're really about, like beating Ole Miss by two tells me more what they're about. Getting pounded by Kentucky tells me more what they're about instead of at least being in the ballgame. Losing a game to LSU tells me more what they're about. Not being able to beat anybody by more than like 12 points, that, that's a god-awful team, tells me more what they're about. And I every single week, this team just does more and more for me that just cannot stand them and not use them in the March Madness bracket. And I'm just completely off of what they were. And, and that that's really, you know, there's not much more about this team. Like instead of them, instead of me going in as I was saying like I'm just this team is going to be tough for me to predict because I'm just not going to know much about them because they, they're not playing the teams to tell me they're giving me just awful information as I continue to go on because they're not 
doing what they need to be doing against the bad teams. And I, I just didn't look at it from that perspective then, but they're doing exactly what opposite of what, or they're doing exactly what I needed, but in the opposite way that I wanted it to go. And that's, that's kind of my sentiment on Tennessee as a whole. And it's, I, I feel like we're be, I'm being repetitive, especially, but I, they keep giving me the same shit to, to be repetitive about it. Pause. Yeah, I mean, the Ole Miss really, uh, you know, really should have won this game. Uh, they kind of gave it away at the end. But like you said, they they should not be – Tennessee should not be in games like this against teams like Ole Miss. Yes, Ole Miss is a, a nice team. They're, they're, they're good. They're solid. But, I mean, if you want to be considered the number one team in the country, which you were for whatever, four or five weeks – you have to put a team like this away. You can't let them keep creeping back on you, creeping back on you. I mean, this game basically flip-flopped from the uh, – what did you say? Like the So the 10-minute mark on was basically – it was just lead change after lead change after lead change, just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth after Tennessee had the game kind of, you know, not wrapped up, obviously, being as though it was early in the second half. But when you're up, when you're up by eight points with 12 minutes left, like, you can't blow that game. They did the exact same thing against LSU. They blew that game. And luckily in this one, you know, a guy misses a free throw and for Ole Miss, and then they end up, you know, coming down and, and making a making a basket and, and ended up winning. So, look, um, you know, they did what they had to do in terms of winning, but no style points. And like you said, I think we're just kind of learning what they really are, not by them – you know, winning or playing good competition, but by playing bad competition and being in close games constantly with them. I think we kind of know what they are. Um, and, yeah, I, I don't trust this team as far as I can throw them. They can't shoot, um, which is really going to hinder them come come the tournament. Um, look, Williams is great. Schofield is great. But when you can't hit an outside shot and you have to rely just on those guys, you know, you, you certainly leave yourself vulnerable to, to losing a game against either whether it be a hot shooting team, a team that can, uh, you know, match up with your bigs. I, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't see them going very far. I'm glad you bring up all the text messages I send you because I would feel like I would know nothing about sports if you didn't because you just continue to incorporate the things I say to you that I forget to say on the radio. So I appreciate that. 8 o'clock is 8.50 is too late for me to uh, still be with it. But neither here nor there. That's, that's, that that's, and what, that's what I'm here for. All, that's why I'm the. Uh, yeah, that's why I'm the color. That's like why that. I'm the color guy. Yeah, and another thing on that too is like as Paz was saying, they can't shoot, and like is Jordan Bone not one of the softest players? Like this guy is hurt or sick in every game. It's just I'm so like tired of watching him too. Like you know, miss a three, limp off to the sideline, or he's got the flu all of a sudden, and this that it's he's always got something. The kid's always got a cold, the flu, or or one or one or he's hurt. He's hurt. It's like. So ridiculous. Uh, Houston, East Carolina. Look uh, again. East Carolina is ten and seventeen. They beat them by like thirty-four. I, do you want me to shake your hand? I will be so uh, at this team. I will have going out on the first game. I don't care if they're a two seed, three seed, four seed. Whoever they're playing, I'm taking. Uh, I forget what I text pause yesterday. It'll be another one you can incorporate for me. Their strength of schedule was is like three hundred or something like that. Um, 
it's just ridiculous that I can't even believe that you could rank a team like this eighth. It's just embarrassing. If they were in any conference at any talent at all, they would have at least 10 losses. The fact that they're 27 and one and want to brag about it and rank these guys up there is, is retarded. Uh, do you want to touch on that or do you just want me to go forward? No, nah, I'm just going to correct you again and say that their strength what was, was 114. So did I text you that? Uh, yeah, you texted me that it was like 300 something, but it is 300 something. Slightly, yeah. Slightly, you used the, you used the not you used the nonsense Ken Palm. They're, they're his dumb friggin' defensive and all. I don't care what his I don't care what his offense's defensive nonsense tells you. That's that's nonsense. All right, so then hang uh, on one second. I will find it for you. Go ahead, find it. I was just looking at it yesterday. The the same site that uses the uh, has the offensive and defensive rebounding metrics. While you do that, I'll talk about Marquette Nova. Marquette Nova, uh, I was hoping that Nova would win this game just because uh, I think Marquette is one of the better teams in the country. I don't think they're a nice national title contender, but I think they definitely have the guard play to go very deep in this tournament. Uh, guard play is very, very important in uh, in March Madness, and I just there's very few teams that I can name that can match up with their guard play. Howard is one of the top five players in NCAA basketball this year. I don't think anybody can dispute that. Looked like he might add a little bit of a wrist injury on his non-shooting hand. On a, uh, he went up for a layup. Guy. Uh, it was a it was a fifty fifty call. Uh, end up being called a block, but he you know as we all do, just natural instinct in your body goes to brace himself. Uh, shook his wrist for the rest of the um, rest of the game, and he's also he was a ninety one percent free throw shooter, maybe even ninety two I believe, and missed the top one of that. So that's his guide hand. Uh, just something to look at going forward. I'm hoping it's nothing serious. I haven't seen anything today that would tell me it's it's serious, but uh, maybe ends up being a little stinger. Maybe he's got a little bit of a, a wrist bone bruise there, but um, they go with him. So uh, if, you know, he has to miss any time or, you know, he's not 100%, uh, especially with a guide hand or a shooting hand, either one for that nature, uh, that's, that's trouble for a guard. Uh, you know, you could get away with that. Like I said about Ward, you could kind of tape him up there, uh, let him use his opposite hand. He could work inside like that. Tough for guards to do because, you know, you need to really be uh, nearly perfect on those angles and to uh, be able to be successful. Um, but uh, this is a one-point game with, I believe, is uh, 51 seconds left uh, and just two baskets swing the opposite way and give Nova a 67-61 win. Uh, yeah, because yeah, he misses that one. That put him with him one. Yeah, so Nova comes down, hits a two, uh, gets an offensive board, actually, uh, hits the three. Uh, that put him up by four. Marquette came down, tried to fire a three. I believe that was Howard also. Didn't go. Uh, and then, you know, it just ends up being a, a foul a foul and, and a hopeful thing. And then, you know, Howard came down, tried to hit two actual threes, and, you know, just didn't work out. So they win by six. This is a one-point game, kind of just like their last one, except, you know, it just – there was a one-point game uh, final, whereas this one comes down to a couple free throws that separated from the one-point game it is. But uh, – I like it because I can't wait till Nova gets in and gets pounded, and also Marquette maybe drops the seed, and you know I could use them a little bit more. Pause on that one. Yeah, it was a, it was an entertaining game, and anytime you have a player like Howard who can put a team on his back and, and carry them offensively, it's uh, you know they're they're a team that can that can win a game in the tournament, uh, you know win a tight game in the tournament. Um, I will say that he doesn't play much defense. So from that standpoint, he's a little bit of a liability. But, I mean, 
there's the the thing about him. He sort of reminds me a little bit of like Kemba Walker that year that he carried them to carried UConn to the to the tournament championship. Uh, I I could. I could absolutely see myself taking this team going to go to the final four because of him, but I could also absolutely see myself having them lose the first weekend. So, you know, it's ultimately going to come down to who they play and who they're matched up against. But, um, you know, that's sort of like the, like you said, I don't think they're a legit contender to win, but can they get to the final four? I, I definitely think they can get to the final four. Um, there's no, I, I don't think there's any reason why they couldn't get to the final four. Let me put it that way. And uh, Houston's strength of schedule on every other place I see, like in terms of like the NCAA website, CBS Sports, it's all 72. So I'm not sure exactly what you were, what site you were looking at, but you'll have to find that again. And, and okay, uh, hold on, so. we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna stop we're gonna stop and take care of this real quickly. I want you to tell me. Hold on, I want you to tell me how they rank 74 strength of schedule. Here we go. 72. Okay, 72. Alabama A&M, under 500. Rice, under 500. Northwestern State, under 500. BYU. Utah, University of Texas, Rio Grande Valley. Oregon, don't even know their record. Haven't heard about them all year. Let's see, what are they? 15 and 12. Oh, wow. Lamar, Oklahoma State, who just played yesterday, under 500. Beat LSU by six. There's one. St. Louis, Utah State, Coppin State, New Jersey International of Technology, Tulsa, Memphis, Temple, Wichita State, SMU, South Florida, East Carolina, Tulsa, Temple, UCF, Cincinnati. What's Cincinnati record? Well, they're in that god-awful conference, too. They'll slide in with some bullshit. 24-4. Must be nice to play in this conference. UConn, Tulane, South Florida, East Carolina. How is that How is that strength of schedule 72? Can you tell me? I don't, I don't know. know, man. I don't, I don't know the metrics, but that's what it says. They played one, they played one ranked team all year. Okay. Moving on. Well, I think Oregon was, ranked when, Oregon was ranked when they played them. Who cares? I mean, that's from last year. That's from last year's polls. That has nothing to do with this year. Nah, that was from that was because Bull Bull was uh, the going to be the number one pick in the draft this year. Yeah, that, that yeah he yeah, he would never been the number one pick in the draft. He had to put on 100 pounds. All right, Oklahoma State Texas Tech. Now I can talk about this. All right, so Paz was high on this Texas Tech team early in the year. I hated them from Jump Street. I would have freaking mortgaged my house on fucking Duke against Texas Tech at the Garden and would have covered by a point. Should have. Whatever. Texas Tech stinks. They are a one-way offense with one player. Their point guard is terrible. And this defense that they have that's supposed to be locked down is is not good. I don't know how they're still ranked the number one defense on Ken Palm. Embarrassing. They let Oklahoma State hang 80 on them. Ridiculous, okay? I will say, in their defense, they have this game done, but they don't finish at the line, and this Waters kid has, as I was trying to mention earlier, has the most impressive non-March Madness, non-watch, one-minute 
in NCAA basketball I've seen in a long time. He hits a three with 57 sec- 53 seconds left to put them down three. Culver hits a jumper, put him back up five. He comes back down. He hits a three with 20 seconds left to put him down two. Oklahoma State down two. They foul Moretti. He hits both. Now they're down four. Comes back down 11 seconds left, hits a three, puts him down one. Foul Moretti again, this, this terrible point guard he is. He hits both. Waters comes down with two seconds left, hits another three. He hits four threes in the final minute to tie the game in Santo OT. Texas Tech should have never had this game in OT. They were uh, leading as much as 17 in the game. Ended up winning by four in OT to Oklahoma State team who's 10 and 18 in a terrible Big 12 conference. I cannot wait to play against. Uh, this is another team I can't wait to play against in, in March Madness. Pause. Yeah, actually, I didn't have this game on at all until you texted me the uh, the word bang three times in a row. I had no idea what you were talking about. Um, so then I flipped it on and, and saw the end of it. But, uh, yeah, like you said, a very impressive minute, minute and a half of uh, of basketball that Waters put on, uh, just drilling three after three uh, to get them to overtime. Unfortunately, they, they couldn't pull it out in the end. But, um, yeah, I've, uh, I've obviously changed my stance on Texas Tech as well. And uh, I don't think they'll, they'll do much in the tournament either. All right, UNLV Nevada. Like, here's another team like Houston who just doesn't play a soul. They beat UNLV, who's 15 and 13, by uh, 16. Grats. Uh, Cody Martin actually carries him this time. Caleb Martin is his body language is so annoying. He's gonna be so annoying to watch. We probably won't have to watch him for long because the first game he's cold, they're gonna get eliminated. Um. I know you watched some of this pause. Do you want to talk about it? Or do you want me to just go forward? Yeah, I mean, you could talk about it. I actually watched the entire game. I could not okay, fall asleep last night. Um, I watched the entire game. Uh, I'm not too happy about it because it was, I mean, look, UNLV is not very good. So it's not like we're, you know, we're saying much, but I kind of wanted to, I wanted to see part of the reason for staying up was to kind of see Nevada again, just to, you know, kind of reinstill in my mind the fact that I don't like them and I don't think they're, they're very good. And look, they're, they're a solid team, whatever, but I don't know. I can't trust them going forward. Um, I re- I do really like the kid Caroline. He's very good. He puts his nose into, into everything, grabs boards, plays some defense. Um, yeah, I, they look, they did what they were supposed to do on their home floor against their in-state rival, um, you know, to win by 16, whatever it was. But UNLV, the, the thing that I did like about them last night, UNLV went on a little run with like, I don't have the box score in front of me, but I want to say with like nine minutes left, they cut it to like seven points and they went on maybe like a nine all run, cut it to seven and, uh, you know, Nevada called timeout, then came back out and sort of, you know, reasserted themselves and, and, uh, you know, really kind of took control of the game back. So I did like that from from them. But, yeah, I mean, they, they go as the Martin twins go. And like you said, Cody Martin, he he just looks like a pompous jerk on the court. He's sticking his leg out on every on every shot. He When he gets to the NBA, he's going to have to fix that because he's going to get called Caleb. a lot of offensive fouls. Oh, sorry, Caleb, my bad. Um, 
I get them mixed up too because they have the, one's eleven, one's ten. They have the same, same hair, dude. Same they have the same, same stupid arm same band, breeze, the same like, freaking light band. So stupid. <laughs> They're both so stupid. Like we got you guys are twins. Uh, Just like give us a little help, please. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, so yeah. Um, I'm just I, I'm not impressed with them. I I, I don't I think they're going to be overseeded, and I don't think they're like everyone knows them this year. Whereas last year, you know, people knew that they were a decent team, whatever, but no one thought, no one saw them as a you know a top twenty five team or you know like a bottom of the ranking team. Like this year, they they've been ranked as high as what like fifth or sixth, right? This this season, so everyone knows about them. Everyone has a scouting report on them. Everyone knows their strengths. Everyone knows their weaknesses. They're not catching anybody by surprise in the tournament. They're not getting past the first weekend. Uh, I don't. I really don't believe so. Yeah, I, I would be with you. You know, Caroline reminds me a lot of like I, in my opinion, Caroline's the best player on their team. And uh, it's funny, Caroline is like Trey Jones to me, where like you have other guys that get all the hype. And I'm saying Trey Jones is better than, well, see, this is a little bit different, I guess. But in terms of just like hype, how the Martin brothers get all this hype as if they're godding, they're, they're not even the, I don't even think they're better than Caroline. Well, Zion and Barrett are, you know, better than Trey, but uh, you get my point. It's just like a guy that just goes completely unnoticed because of the other two guys that get all the hype around him. Anyway. Yeah, no, you're, uh, you're absolutely right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you're you know absolutely what I'm saying. Right. Um, uh, Purdue beats a 10 and 18 Illinois team by 17. Kind of, an, uh, uh, I guess, a, a win that Purdue needed. They've been, like, really clenching at losses and close games and not barely being able to close out. Edwards, what did he do in this game? He Edwards has gone, like, he's got, I think he's hurt or something, but that we don't know about. Nah, he has 23 in this one, so he's kind of back. Uh, 8 for 14. All right, so he's back, but... He went on a little stretch there, three, four games where he was just completely non-existent. So I'm glad to see that 23 there. I didn't, uh, you know, when a game is this big of a mismatch, I don't really tune in. So I didn't really see a second of this one. Uh, anything on that one, Paz? No, I got nothing. I, and I think to Edwards, the point about Edwards, I think he might have hit like a little bit of a wall here. So it's good to see him sort of bounce back, have a nice efficient game. But um, yeah, I mean, his last. He does, he does carry a really games, heavy load, man. He does. His I feel like he's one of the guys who just yeah he has a, he has a little bit of a less help than it like like uh, Howard has three or four guys that like those two white guys I, I can't think of the name off the top of my head because they're going through all these games now but like they 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 help out they contribute they hit a couple threes here and there uh, you know Byron has Zion like and I'm think trying to think in terms like I feel like of of all the players he like you know like we were just speaking about the Martin brothers who have Caroline I feel like Edwards is one of the few players where. Um, Maybe he's not as good as a couple of the guys we just mentioned, but I don't think he has as much help as as, as uh, uh, any of those guys that we just mentioned either. Yeah, absolutely. And they really only play they really only play five guys. Um, their starters all get thirty plus minutes, and then in this game the other night where you know they won by seventeen, they're they had four guys coming off the bench. One guy get eight minutes, another guy get eight minutes. One guy with seven minutes, and one guy with two minutes. So, I mean, they really are a starting five that that play basically the entire game. So, you know, it's kind of tough to to you know have great games every single night when you're you're playing thirty seven, thirty six, thirty four, you know, minutes every single game. Yeah. All right, two more. 
Penn State beats Maryland by 17. Um, I'll say this. This is by far Penn State's best game of the season. Uh, shoot 45% from the, the uh, from two, 35 from three, 81% from the line. And uh, Maryland goes two for 19 from three, which is pretty bad. This is one thing I thought about. And, uh, pause, you know, definitely give your take, too. I... I'm slightly um, – the Big Ten is really putting me on notice to really give them support going forward. And I've mentioned all year that I think the Big Ten is one of the best teams in the – or best conferences, if not better than the ACC this year. I just think the bottom of the ACC is a little light this year. Uh, you know, usually like games against Wake and GTEC hasn't really been good for a little while, but Wake is always very competitive. Boston College has been competitive with that lefty guard. I can't think of his name. He broke the three-point record there and the scoring record there last year. Uh, and then they had, like, the likes of Dudley and stuff before that. Like, all those teams are typically competitive. Uh, I feel like the bottom is a little light this year. And I'm starting to really think that some of these teams, like the likes of Penn State – we mentioned Northwestern earlier. Um, Northwestern has like had played every single road game they've had in conference has been against a ranked of foe. Every single home game they've had um, and that is when the bad teams have come in and they've gotten the job done for the most part, but they haven't got the job done against the ranked teams, but they've only losing to them at home by like three or seven is something we mentioned last Saturday. I'm starting to think that some of these teams like the likes of Penn State and Northwestern, that this conference is so good that this is not that so all that surprising, a win like this. They beat Michigan. Northwestern almost knocked off five ranked teams at home, knocked off two of them. Two and three against it could have gone, you know, one or two things go a different way. You're talking four and two, five and one. Is this conference so good and people aren't fully realizing, like, these bottom teams that are, like, Penn State's 12 and 16 – uh, the likes of Northwestern, who are, I believe, are 13 and 14, as we just mentioned, their schedule. Um, I'm starting to really push the Big Ten up even more than I thought. My only, uh, what would I say, my only argument to that is, is like I, something I always say, and I said that one caller, the ACC, when they're like this, tend to beat the shit out of each other so much that when they get to the tournament, they're not so healthy and they're exhausted and fatigued. Is that something we're going to see from the Big Ten also? But I think when games like this happen, as you said, draw a line through it, I'm starting to think that the bottom of this conference is also very, very good. And if they would be placed elsewhere, uh, things would be going a little bit differently for them. We'd be seeing them in the tournament. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I can definitely agree with that. I mean, if you look at Penn State's, if you look at Penn State's schedule, they have a win against Virginia Tech, a win against Michigan, and a win against uh, Maryland. I mean, if they had just won a few of their other games, like we'd be talking about them on the, on the bubble right now, you know, like those three wins are three of the, you know, if you, like, if you look at a team like three Florida, wins better than you Houston has. Team like, right. That's what I'm saying. Like it's, yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. If, if Penn state was playing in the AAC right now and they had those three wins, let's say they played Michigan at a conference, uh, you know, uh, who did they just beat? Maryland out of conference and beat Virginia Tech out of conference and then played in the AAC. They'd probably be, I don't know, 22 and eight right now or 20. And, and they'd have three really, really nice wins. Three quad, they'd have three quad one wins 
which, uh, speaking of quad one, we were talking about this last night, Nevada hasn't even played a quad one game yet, which is absolutely insane to think about because even the, like if you go and look at anybody's bracketology, whatever, any site you want to look at, uh, you know, that has a guy professionally, you know, ranking teams and, and putting them in brackets as of right now or uh, trying to predict who's going to make the tournament, every single team has played at least one quad one game. And for people that don't know the quad system, it's a home game against one of the top 30 teams, a neutral site game against one of the top 50 teams, and a an away game against one of the top 70 teams. So to to tell me that Nevada hasn't played at least a road game against a top 70 team this season, that's absolutely atrocious. And you just cannot, you can't, you can't, you can't judge them based on what they've done this year because they've, they've played literally nobody. Like you want to talk about teams playing nobody. Nevada has played nobody. They played the school for the blind, the school for the deaf and the school for people with one arm and, and half a leg. Like that's who they're playing against. And and Wyoming. That Don't forget top... they got Wyoming. Sorry, and Wyoming. Who's it was probably the, the best worst mismatch I've ever seen in my entire college basketball career. But that's what I'm saying. Like the fact that the fact that this Nevada team is ranked in the top seven for you know 20 weeks in a row or 15 weeks in a, in a row, whatever it is. I mean, they they played against church league teams. That's basically what they're doing. And look, no offense to these to these middle-of-the-road college basketball teams, you know, but you're, you're not getting into the tournament, right? So Nevada should not be playing these teams. The fact that they didn't put at least one decent non-conference team on their schedule is I, – I, I, look, I, I don't know what to say about it. And I think we're going to see it come the tournament that they're just going to get blasted by this. That's what's going to happen. Mark it, mark it down. Whatever today's date was today's date, February twenty eighth, February twenty eighth, nine five p.m. Nevada is getting blasted by the first good team they play, the first quad one team they play in the tournament. I like it. I will say I do like the coaches' polos though. Very nice, right? Yeah, their polos are sweet. You see those polos? Nice. They were fucking nice. I have a Duke one like that that I wear to golf sometimes. I don't know if I've ever worn it when we golf, but. It's a little big, so I don't like – I'm a little weird with my sleeves. I don't like my sleeves, like, to anywhere near my elbows when I play sports. But, you know, everyone's got their own thing. Um, anyway, last one. Cincinnati SMU. I actually watched this. Look, look this, uh, if you want to know about Houston, this just tells you all you need to know. Uh, Cincinnati, who is 24-4 and against a 13-15 and uh, SMU team, was a pick on the road. So – the conference is so good. The teams in the conference so good that your uh, second best team in the entire conference was only a pick 'em against a team that's under 500. Um, uh, Cincinnati played good D. Both these offenses were absolutely pitiful and embarrassing. It was this was another very very hard watch. I felt like this was Indiana uh, against Wisconsin all over again. Uh, one shoots 19% from three, the other one 29, 35% from the field, 26% from the field. Uh, like, oh God, stab me in the eye. Uh, oh, jeez, it was it was rough. Um, that's really all I have to say about that. Cincinnati's done, Houston's done. They're, they're both done the first time they play. So, good luck and enjoy the rest of. We're enjoying playing each other in that American for the first time. game you guys play all season against anybody. Any good? Pass. Yeah, I, I didn't see this game. I have nothing to add. 
Um, I don't know if you want to touch on the the Louisville game at all. I, I didn't watch it, but you know, just in terms of what this kind of means uh, for them going forward. And, uh, yeah. And, oh uh, yeah, we know. could do that. So let me. Uh, yeah. Yeah, we could do that and see what's going on tonight. Um, yeah, so Louisville lost, what was it, by 30, Paz? Were, are they down by 30? No, 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 no. Uh, no, they, were just down, they weren't down by that much, but they were they were down the entire game, basically, against uh, against BC. Baylor beats Texas. That's a they, big one. Georgia, Bear, or Auburn barely beats Georgia. Jesus. So they lose to BC by seven. Yeah, so look, uh, Paz put a work in this team, like, Three weeks ago, uh, whenever after the Duke collapse was, I mean, it couldn't be going any better for Paz. We actually discussed this Louisville thing for a little while. I had said that I wish they played Wake on the road instead of um, Boston College at home or on the road because uh, I feel like Wake's a better environment. They still pack it up even though the, the bottom of the conference isn't good. They still lose this Boston College on the road, which is an easier road game than, than, than it would have been going to Wake. And uh, this team is literally just doing everything they can to not make the tournament. Um, they are on a, a skid of skids. They barely went by by a pubic hair against Clemson that they also tried to throw away. And, man, um, it does not look bright for them. Um, yeah, go ahead, pause. Anything else you want to add to that? I mean, I pretty much summed it up. No, but, I mean, shit. yeah. I mean, they're going to – so they're going to be – let's just assume they beat Notre Dame at home. Um, then they're going to lose to UVA in uh, at UVA. So they're going to be 19 and 12 going into the conference tournament. They're obviously not winning the ACC, whether or not they get a win. They'll probably get a win because they'll end up getting drawn against actually they're seventh right now. They might end up, they're not getting a double buy, obviously. Um, I mean, they're not getting any buy. I mean, um, Yeah, they might they'll end get, up. They'll get they'll get one by. They get that. Um, oh the right, because it's, it's the bottom right, six. Right, right. So they get the first. Day. Yeah. But I mean, I don't know. Are they? They might not win a game in that tournament because they're going to end up getting drawn against like Clemson or whatever. Like, let me pull up the. AC yeah, well, they're right seven. Now. If they're seven, they will draw the eight. So right. So they're going to be playing NC, as of right now. That's a right danger now, they're time. Playing NC State. Yeah. So they're playing NC State right now. So. And look, Clemson's all a guard, game behind them too, so like also. it could be, yeah. So it could be, it could be them against Clemson. It could be them against, depending on what Syracuse does, it could end up being them against Syracuse. Like, I don't see them. I, 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 I see really, them really them. watch out for Clemson in that tournament. I know people are down on them and whatever. They, they to me are like the likes of Penn State and the likes of um, Ohio State. That that's what that's who they are in the ACC. I watch out for them. So if they draw Clemson, you could kiss them goodbye. That 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 they're not they're not being Clemson. Yeah, I have no argument for that. So I mean, look, they're probably going to get into the tournament, but I mean, talk about a fall from grace and how like two two bad comeback losses can just absolutely turn your season around because that's that's exactly what it's done for Louisville. I mean, they should be on a six game losing streak and seven of their last eight, but. You know, they miraculously somehow won that Clemson game after basically handing it to them on a silver platter. Um, so, yeah, look, I, I think I would almost hope that they get in as like a, you know, like a six seed somehow. I, I don't know if that's possible, but I would I would love to see that happen. But uh, I also wouldn't be surprised if they were playing like the playing game as of right now. So, <laughs> uh, you know. Yeah. 
Um, so just taking a scan here, the only the only couple things I see of note, uh, St. John's loses to Xavier by uh, 11 at home. Trying to see here. Okay, so he doesn't, Lenardi doesn't have St. John's in. Oh, no, here they are. They're nine against Wolford right now. So that's a really bad loss. That would move them down to at least a 10. And now you're probably looking at either the last four buys or the last four in. That's that's a bad loss for St. John's, um, especially when you're all guards and you get beat by worse guards. That's that's a bad loss for them. And Michigan blows out uh, Nebraska. No surprise there. I've said I've been against Nebraska. Wolford, another team who somehow is in the top 25 in the Southern Conference, uh, beats a 12 and 18 basketball team by 26. I mean, grats. Uh, and that's really it. Today's a very light, uh, a light schedule, almost like an Ivy League schedule. So, anything else on the college basketball pause you want to add? No, just I mean, you touched on the St. John's game. I mean, St. John's is such a they're such a Jekyll and Hyde team. I mean, they've won a couple of really big games this year, but then they've also lost a couple of really bad games. Uh, just a team you can't trust. But again, they're they're similar to I, I don't want to put that they're not as good as Iowa State, but they're just in that Iowa State category where it's like they could beat anybody or play anybody really close, but they could also just lose to anybody as well. So um, this is a game that you looking at the schedule you absolutely have to win it uh, if you want to be sort of thought of as a somewhat serious contender to win a game or two in the tournament. I mean, they're probably going to get in um, because they do have wins against – who did they beat? Didn't they beat Kentucky? Uh, or am I cra- – or did I imagine yes. – Oh, they blew out Marquette. They beat Marquette both times. Yeah. Um, Which is very interesting to Nova. me because – you're gonna tell me Howard can't can't guard up Pons or Pons, you know what I mean? Yeah, or did they just talk? Did they toss each other out? I have to look into those two. I, I remember we saw that we did, we briefly went over it, but um, that's super interesting. You would think they would either nullify each yeah. other or uh, I don't know, but I, I, we'll look into that offline. And uh, yeah, I mean they have wins like at Georgetown against Seton Hall. Like they they have some nice wins. Uh, but that doesn't they also have some. Re- yeah, but look, I'm just saying, like, you know, look, Georgetown is probably a better team than anybody Nevada's played this year. Let's let's face it, That's right? True. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, you want to talk about Nevada's uh, good wins, like, you know, at Georgetown is a pretty good win. Yeah, that's true. That's true. All right. Uh, that wraps up the college basketball segment. We're going to take a quick break here. Get into Bryce Harper and some other top stories from around sports in, the, in this beginning of the week here. Um, we're a tri-state area radio show, so uh, hey, if you're a Philly person and you want to chime in, you love it, you hate it, you're you know about to get yourself off over it. Six five seven three three one six nine two. We want to hear uh, your thoughts. We uh, I hate Philly, but I mean hey, if you're a Philly person today, you probably should be supporting right and just finding anywhere and anything to uh, go and uh, brag out. So let's hear you. Quick break. Uncut Sports Talk featuring Rhino Friends. Kiki, do you love me? Are you riding? Say you never ever leave from beside me. Cause I want you and I need you. And I'm down for you always, KB. Do you love me? Are you riding? Say you never ever leave. 
Mama told you don't talk to strangers. But when you ride in that dump, you can't explain it. What you been waiting on this whole time? I blow the brains out of your mind. And I ain't talking about physically. I'm talking about mentally. She look like she nasty. Look at she, look at she, look like she classy. Look at she, look at she, look at her dancing. Look at she, look at I took her to the mansion. You sneak out of the crowd, baby, it's a no brainer. It ain't the hardest shoes. Him and me be for real, baby, it's a no brainer. You got your mind on loose. Go hard and watch the sun rise. One night it changed your whole life. Fuck up, drop top, baby, it's a no brainer. Put them up if you with me. Like a damn hyena, yeah. I live a life pretty similar to yours. Used to go to school, hang with friends, and play sports. Every single summer, take a trip to the shore. And I was all gravy, but I knew I wanted more. Ain't ever seen a young rapper like one. Can't believe they eyes where it's just a mirage. Still got my training wheels in the garage, but I ain't gonna need those. I'ma go hard. So far, I've done pretty well for myself couple trophies on the shelf, so what else could I want that I don't have yet? Well, a little more cash in my own fast jet, so I can go anywhere, anywhere, anywhere. Cali for the kush, cause boy, I know there's plenty there. About to be in music stores everywhere, but not yet. They can't understand my concepts. I've been climbing up the Great Wall, haven't had a fall yet. These blocks gotta know I'm on next. Clean conscience, good Samaritan. Company send me clothes, so I'm wearing them. If you didn't know, well, I'm from the birds, everything I drop recorded by a big germ. I smoke herbs and I make music. I don't even talk about it, boy. I just do it. Everybody got their own opinion. The reasons why they feeling them, you must admit he's killing them. Running off adrenaline, waiting for the game to wanna let him in. So open up. The boy a barrel of a smoking gun. Whether I'm old or young, the chosen one. I got a hundred billion flows to come. I hope you know the lyrics. All right, uh, Bryce Harper. It's just it's funny how things work out. Um, I was actually driving to work this morning, and I was thinking to myself, kind of just about the situation at hand. Obviously, a popular topic on sports radio. We're getting to the end of, um, for most, the second week of spring training, or ten days into spring training, or whatever. Some report on the 18th, some on the 19th. So your second week work week, I guess, of spring training, and he's still unsigned. And I was thinking to myself, I said, you know what? Is, did this, does this guy want to go to San Francisco and try to break Barry Bonds' records and be better than Bonds and say he was able to do it without juice and, like, leave his name as, you know, uh, the guy dropping the bombs in the bay and, uh, you know, doing it without steroids and, you know, breaking records and, and, and all this stuff on, you know, what other I don't, I don't particularly like him and I don't think he's any good, honestly. And that's just my personal opinion. But um, I was thinking to myself, like, is, is this the type of guy Bryce Harper is compared to the body language he, he, he shows and, and what he's, um, which I say known to be with, you know, cans in the locker room and fist fights with teammates and, um, you know, has a, just like Barry Bonds, I read Barry Bonds biography. He had a, he had a, his own room, essentially. He basically had a suite in the Giants locker room and no one was allowed in it. And he just would stay in there, closed door, et cetera. 
And I'm thinking to myself, like, is that type of Bryce Harper wants to be? He wants to have his own suite and his Giants locker room and, you know, be better than Bonds and leave that legacy. And on some accounts, I was like, ah, I respect that. That's something that would be cool. And, and you know, you want to be better than this guy and, and leave your mark and, um, and whatever. And then, you know, sure as shit, whatever that time that was, 9, 9.30, 10, uh, three, four hours later, he signs this uh, 13-year, $330 million contract with the Phillies. And I guess we could take it from a couple's perspectives and, and uh, you know, I'll give one and then I'll let Paz talk about a little bit and then I'll give another perspective. But from the perspective of really just like Machado and it's what annoys me most is the first thing that comes out, let's just talk about the money perspective and the years, I guess, or the decision. Let's talk about why he made the decision. So Phillies offer 13, 330. The Giants were at a standstill at 10 and 280. And um, the uh, Dodgers uh, final offer was 10 and 300. And this guy basically just flew around and sold himself. And to me, it's just a fucking joke. And it's just all about the money. He has Philly fly out there as after he's, he uh, uh, apparently tells the Phillies, he's going to go to the giants the Phillies GM, as I, I saw on Saturday, flies us out there on the jet. Didn't know why. Now it all makes sense. It's a last-ditch effort. He throws them out this 13-330. Then Bryce flies to L.A. on Sunday. Uh, or no, that was Monday. It was Sunday that came out. So Monday, he flies out to L.A. I'm sure he's like, oh, Phillies offer me 13-330. Can you match that? They obviously say no. Then he flies to San Francisco on Tuesday. I'm sure he did the same thing. Here's my 13, 330. Can you match that? They say, no, we're staying strong. He waits out Wednesday to see if anybody changed their mind and they'll match it and they don't. So he takes the biggest offer, longest years and more money. Um, it's just annoying. It's just the same thing as the Machado deal. I just, look, I want a guy in my locker room that is going to break his legs and and break his back and play hurt and and carry everybody uh on the on their back and support everyone in my locker room um and people i want to be there and take discounts the tom brady's takes discounts every year whatever i know different sport uh that's the guy i want in my locker room i don't want the guy in my locker room who just went after whoever gave me the highest bid and uh that's just my personal opinion look i love baseball and baseball baseball is my passion and uh if i was building a team and i was the coach or i was a gm um, and I've done it before. I've uh, I put stars in the bench, and I play guys that play the chip on the shoulder and want to be part of a, a team and win together. And um, I just don't want the guy on my team that takes the highest bid. And that's just that's how I feel about from the money perspective. And we'll get into a couple other perspectives about it. Um, Pause. Like, give me your thoughts on, you know, just your opener and and whatever on the money issue at least. Yeah, absolutely. So when I saw the sort of the breakdown of the contract and like the, the stipulations or whatever, I was really surprised that there was no opt out on either side. Um, you know, whether it be player options, team options, uh, an opt out for Bryce Harper um, throughout the entire 13 years, I was really, really surprised about that. That, that would have, that struck me as like one of the, you know, one of the most surprising things about this deal. Um, not only that he didn't go to, the West coast where it kind of seemed like that's what he wanted to do or, you know, not that 
he gave up the average annual value of a little bit more money per year for the, you know, the extra couple of years. Like none of that really surprised me that much. Um, Cause I think the, I think the power trip for him was more so just having the, the total contract be bigger than Giancarlo's contract. But the fact that he didn't give himself a, an opt out here. Um, I mean, I don't know. Just it just really struck me as being very odd. Um, and to your point about you know not playing hurt or you know you want a guy in the locker room. I mean, look, some of the some of the player association things that come out after after you know contract negotiations and things like that. That you sometimes hear that the player association really frowns upon players taking you know let's just call it like a hometown discount or a you know a discount to go play in a different place because then that ends up hurting contracts down the line for other players. Um, so look, I, you know, I don't know if, if the, and I don't think this is the case, but you know, I don't know if the players association had some, some, a little bit of influence here with him saying, you know, take the bigger deal because, you know, this will help out players down the line. And like I said, I don't think that's the case, but sometimes you do hear things like that come out afterwards um, you know, along those same lines where it's like, oh, you know, we don't want our players to take lesser contracts to go play in other certain places because then that ends up screwing it up for, you know, people down the line and, and future generations and things like that. So the main thing that struck me as crazy was the, uh, you know, the no opt-out, but um, I'm very, I'm really not surprised at all that he just took the, the, the most, the, the highest deal because, it's more just a power trip for him to say I've had the, you know, the largest contract in Major League Baseball history as of as of now in terms of, uh, you know, just just total value. Yeah, uh, it's just I don't know, players association or not. I just um, I want a guy that wants to be there because they they want to be there. I don't want a guy that just because, you know, they gave me the most money. I don't. That's just. I don't know. That's the guy I want next to me in the locker, et cetera. Um, so, uh, from a Phillies perspective, uh, I, I this. It's tough to say if this makes them the front runner. Um, okay. Well, now I mean, look, Philly is a band box. They're top five every uh, since they've built the new stadium in uh, best stadiums to hit in. Um, by uh, always top five. So he should really excel here. Right field is super short and then high. So uh, the, what I mean by that is like their, their second deck extends uh, like almost slightly over the first deck. It's a, it's a big complaint that people have had in Philly. Like, I think the only like the first, I want to say eight rows of the first of the, uh, what you call like field level are not covered by the top. That's how, that's how much the top, overhangs whereas like at yankee stadium um like well just from i always end up sitting in right field i like that spot a little bit but they the yankee stadium uh second level uh doesn't start until the 21st row of the, of the field level so you're talking this is you know i, I don't know what that is in feet uh, like i'm not trying to do mathematics now but my point is that uh you know, you, uh, that's a nice, it's a very nice place to hit in for a lefty and just overall as a, you know, as a player. Um, so that, that, that clearly helps. Uh, Atlanta has one of the, I would say, best young teams in all of baseball, maybe the best actually. 
Um, they remind me a lot of like the Yankees, although they, I know they tapped out this year. Um, they kind of built their team around like that. A lot of youth pitching is still a little bit questionable, but they have uh, so many young guys over there. Um, of course, like now they're just not all coming to me, but neither here nor there. I mean, I think this now this comes down to almost Phillies and, and Atlanta, uh, Met still didn't add a power right-handed bat. There's no way, just from my not my medical uh, background, I just do don't think there's any way you see Cespedes this year. Uh, Lowry's already hurt. Back in New York, Frazier's hurt. Back in New York, I know he was, uh, you know, um, fighting for kind of a third base spot anyway because they were going to throw Lowry over there and then Frazier to first possibly. Alonzo's killing it in spring training already, so you know probably he loses out there. So Frazier ends up being maybe not so much of a loss. Um, and you know you always have to question their rotation. Look, they have one of the best rotation, not the best rotation of all of baseball, but um, you typically only have the Mets rotation for a quarter of the season. So uh, they have the best rotation in baseball for you know uh, what is that sixty? No, yeah, like sixty games of the season or less that so um this definitely propels in the top nationals basically sold off or trade every rendon's gone uh they have scherzer and, and strasburg and that's really it um i know they got robles coming up who's supposed to be an elite center fielder not not so much of a great hitter as he is a, uh, an elite center fielder covers a lot of ground um one of the best defensive center fielders uh projected that and people have seen in a long long time defensively uh ken griffey jr-esque so, um, you know, uh, it's kind of crazy. Like, if you really kind of look at their roster, their top four players actually will probably be all acquisitions. So they got McCutcheon, which was a really bad deal if you look at it, but uh, they had the briefcase open willing to pay. That's a lot of money for him. Uh, Segarra, Real Muto, and now Bryce, um, they probably end up hitting one through four, right? Yeah, I mean, they probably end up hitting one through four, uh, and then you got Franco somewhere in there. He probably bats sixth. Herrera maybe fifth or seventh. Uh, Nick Williams will be in the bottom and ninth. And then you got Royce Hoskins too. Maybe you bat him fifth. Franco uh, sixth. And then you got uh, you know Hernandez and Williams. Uh, pretty elite offensive lineup. Uh, definitely propels them into a conversation. Uh, Paz and I had talked about it like two weeks ago or so in regards to their World Series odds. I, I, I don't think they would have changed because they were updated back when you know he they thought Bryce was signing two or three weeks ago when that's when we brought it up. Um, but uh, rotation still questionable. Nola's great elite pitcher, probably top ten pitcher in baseball. Arietta is on the back end of his career had a very good year last year after signing late. Uh, Pivota, not great. Eflin, not great. Uh, and Vance Velasquez, not really good at all. Eikhoff maybe gets a spot instead over them, but I don't know. He hasn't been great either. So um, they definitely have the offense to kind of hold the pitching staff. But um, as we've seen, uh, a la New York Yankees baseball the last two years, when you get into the playoffs, you need you need a horse. They got the horse, but they don't have much behind it. And that's kind of the same situation the Yankees are. Uh, your take on just kind of what this does for the Phillies, Bob. Yeah, I think it definitely propels them to the top of the division. Um, yeah, they're they're going to be an exciting team to watch. I'm sure. I'm sure tickets in in Philly are probably going pretty fast right now. Um, everyone down there is excited. I was at the 76ers game on Saturday, and driving home from, or I should not not back to New York, but back to uh, my in-laws' house in uh, Southern Jersey. 
obviously they get all the Philly radio stations and all that, but driving back the hour to to there, they were basically talking about Bryce Harper the entire time. They didn't even mention the 76ers game, which they got blown out. So maybe that's part of the reason why, but um, you know, it was basically all Bryce Harper on Saturday uh, in terms of uh, uh, sports radio. So they've been coveting him, I think for a long time. Um, I think that, you know, fans and, and, the, and all that, they wanted Harper more than Harper wanted them, I would say, just from a, you know, take the monetary things out of it and whatever. I think, I think Philly as a city and, and, and fan base, they wanted him more than, than Harper really wanted to be there. But, uh, yeah, look, they ended up getting their man. Um, sounds like they're pretty excited for the baseball season. I, I think rightfully so. They're going to be a fun team to watch during the regular season. They're going to be exciting. Um, you know, uh, my my wife is a is a Phillies fan, so I'll probably try to get to a game down there at some point during the summer or whatever. And look, I'm sure I'll have a fun time. Oh my god, dude, that just little, yeah. that just ticked my liking down for Kate like at least four or five notches. I think I Wait, just threw I, up in my mouth. A, I know where her know she's located. She, I knew where she grew fan. up. I did not know she was a Philly sports fan. I knew where she grew up. I didn't know yeah, she, she went she all did. Philly on us. Uh, I really did not. Oh, know God. That's sickening. That's well, definitely bomb to Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah, so I'll probably end up down there uh, for a game or so. But, look, there they it moves into the top of the division. Um, Atlanta, I think, is still probably a year or two away. Um, you know, they, they have probably the best young core in baseball. They will be exciting coming going forward. But I think Philly – Philly knows that now is their time to win, especially with the let's call it let's call it what it is. The National League is down a little bit. Um, there's really no standout team there, and look, this this makes that this puts them if not at the top, right right at the top. And uh, and yeah, I, I think their lineup is very formidable. But like you said, if if Arietta doesn't have a you know Cy, let's not call it a Cy Young type season, but if he doesn't have a very good season, it's basically just Nola at the top there, who look is is a great pitcher and 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 uh, you know he's going to be good for a long time with how young he is. But when they get to the playoffs, are they going to be able to win a series with just Nola at the top and then really not much behind him, especially if Arietta doesn't doesn't have as good of a season as he did last year. Um, so yeah, that that's ultimately the question with them, but from a lineup standpoint, I mean, top to bottom, they're, you know, they're, they're really good. And I think, I think Hoskins probably ends up sliding into that cleanup, cleanup spot because, uh, you know, just his numbers and the way that he, the way that he is at the plate. But um, yeah, I mean, as you said, other than that, I think everyone else might bat one through, you know, those are the, the, the four acquisitions plus, plus Hoskins are probably your top five batters. No, without a question. Um. Do you think the briefcase is still open to bring Keiko in? Yeah, I, I as crazy as it sounds, I I do. I don't think that the Phillies are are done from the standpoint of uh, you know like oh we made our big signing now we're not going to spend another dime. I would not be surprised to see them sign a you know, a Keiko or, you know, or someone you like that. You know who else, but, too? Like, he's not my cup of tea, but uh, Kimbrel still there, too. Added Robertson. So Dominguez, think, is, Dominguez either is literally, like, 102, can't touch him, 
uh, he's a, he's a wannabe Chapman without the location. I mean, look, Chapman has his days. Like I remember the Mets game where he, you know, he opens up the merry-go-round and can't find the plate either. But um, you know, Dominguez is not that level. You got Robertson on the far back end. His career was nowhere near as effective as last year. Uh, Nishak's always tough to hit. You don't see that very often. There's maybe three guys in out of the bullpen off the top of my head that still throw completely submarine. Um, and he's probably the most effective submarine thrower in all of baseball. But I mean, besides that, you know, uh, Kimbrell and Keiko, I mean, is this going to be the year? What was that? 2004 to that when they bought, uh, Oswald and, uh, you know, everybody else in won the world series. So I don't think, yeah, that was 2008 when they won the world series. Um, so I don't think that Kimbrell is on the list now. I think Kimbrell might have been their, let's call it a backup plan if they didn't end up getting, um, if they didn't end up getting Harper. I think they might have extended Kimbrell, uh, you know, a four or five year deal for a hundred twenty million dollars, something like that. I could have seen them doing, but I don't think, I don't see a you know a Kimbrell type deal or player coming in. I could see them doing like a three for. I don't know. I don't really know what Keiko's looking for, but I could see them doing like a three for, I don't know, three for 50 for Keiko, three for 60 for Keiko. I could, I, I wouldn't be surprised at that. I still wish the Yankees would go get him, but neither here nor there. All right. Yeah. I, We've had yeah, a guest so caller on for a while and I've tried to screen him a couple of times. I don't know if he's still there, but I'll try to plug him in. We'll give him a couple of seconds. If not, uh, we'll move on. Uh, Brick from New Jersey. Are you still with us? Yeah. All right. That's what I thought. I couldn't get him on the screen. So I figured, all right. Um, why don't you get in? I don't really have much more on it. Why don't you get into, yeah, I know you want to talk about it a little bit more, another perspective guy. Yeah. So I, I've had this conversation with, uh, with a couple people and, you know, we've just kind of talked about what Bryce Harper, like what, what Bryce Harper really is. Cause obviously if you take a look at his, if you take a look at his career statistics, um, there's one year that, that obviously stands out far greater than the, the rest of his, uh, you know, the rest of his years. And I have to, so I, I asked you this a little bit earlier just to kind of prep you for it. And, and, um, you know, so that way maybe you'd have a little bit of a rebuttal, but in terms of a player in another sport that has had just one sort of completely standout year. And then every other season has kind of been like, you know, kind of good, but not really to that level. And he's just like held that, 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 you know, superstar level that he was, but not really necessarily, um, you know, proving it on the field. And I think the perfect, the perfect core, the perfect comparison for him to a, an athlete in another sport is Cam Newton. Cam Newton is widely held by a lot of people for some reason as being like a, a top five quarterback in the league, when in fact people just kind of think of him off of, yes, he had, a, he had one really, really good season. He won an MVP. I, I, I will not take that away from him. But people still kind of think of him as that quarterback every single season going forward from that point. And he's not that player at all. Cam Newton is a below average passer. He's a below average quarterback in the NFL. 
I, I did this ranking thing on one of our first few episodes, and I kind of gave out a, a list of one through 32, and I think I had them at like 20, I don't know, 23, 24, 22, something like that. And I think that's kind of where like Bryce Harper stands. We were going back to the, the, the sports radio on, on Saturday. They continually tried to pump down your throat that Bryce Harper is a top five base player in Major League Baseball. And you and I had this conversation, and we were saying that he might not even be a top 10 outfielder in Major League Baseball, let alone a top five overall player in the league. And I think everyone just kind of thinks of him as the, you know, the, the high school kid that was hitting baseballs off of the back of Tropicana Field in, you know, when he was a, a junior in high school with a metal bat. And they think of him as the player that had a, you know, an 1100 OPS and a, you know, a 460 on base percentage and hit 42 home runs and had maybe one of the greatest seasons in, you know, major league baseball history. So just a little kind of, I don't know, fun argument to have and, and what have you, but, you know, I, I sort of see, I sort of see Cam Newton type uh, comparisons with him where he's just living off of one season and hype rather than substance uh, to his, you know, to his career and his, his statistics and his worth to a, to a team and, and his franchise. So we'll have to see going forward, um, you know, what happens with this, but obviously the Phillies thought highly enough to give him a 13 year deal with no opt outs or, or team options. And they're going to be paying him whatever works out. I think it's like, I, I think I saw that he's getting like a $20 million signing bonus this year. And then, a $20 million signing bonus in, you know, like five years from now. So whatever the average annual value or the annual value works out to be, they're going to be paying him give or take $25 million when he's 40 years old. So um, good luck with that. Uh, we'll see what happens, but uh, yeah, they obviously felt confident enough and, and, and thought of him as a top five overall baseball player when, you know, you and I have had the conversation and we don't know if he's even a top 10 outfielder in major league baseball. So, I didn't know about this going in. So, anybody that thinks that this was planned, it wasn't. I I actually could not agree more with you about that comparison. And I actually have a couple other facets that you didn't mention that for even more why he compares, okay? One thing I always say about Cam Newton that drives me crazy is he's so egotistical that if you, like – so I'm someone who doesn't have a favorite team. So I just watch, um, I have the, I have the package, the, um, what you want to call it, whatever the Sunday ticket package. So I see all, all the games at the same exact time in all the plays. If you ever watch Cam Newton, and if you ever like, just were kind of tired of the NFL and you just want to watch one game, one team, he will minimum keep the ball when McCaffrey has a wide open lane or he has a tight end that's literally standing there just like waiting for the football by himself and he'll keep it himself to try to pad his stats with the, with the home run or uh, with the touchdown or with an extra five or six yards or to secure a first down when he could just give it up and it would go for a touchdown. Okay. How does that compare to Bryce Harper? I also, and this is something people will learn as we go along with the show and get into baseball season. I love baseball more than any sport in the entire world. Played it all my life, coached it. Uh, watch it. I could watch a uh, athletics twins game in September when they're both 20 games out of the playoffs. If you ever watch Bryce Harper, this is another package. I have the extra innings package morely for fantasy baseball, but watch all the games too. If you ever watch Bryce Harper 
when the Nationals are down like four runs, he stops playing. Um, except, so like he'll run into a wall when the game is close and he'll catch a ball. If they're down by like four more or up by four more, he lets that ball hit the wall and he just watches it and then goes in and throws it in. Um, the other thing he does almost like A-Rod does in meaningless games, he still hits and he drops bombs and that's the padded stats, something like Cam Newton does. So that's another comparable thing that both Harper and Cam Newton do. And I would say another thing is both of them have had tons of locker room trouble. Cam Newton uh, got essentially a fist fight with Benjamin this year when they both met up all, all, you know, all Benjamin was trying to do, <clears throat> excuse me, was trying to shake a hand. Uh, almost they get into a verbal argument, almost, uh, you know, to fisticuffs. Uh, Bryce Harper has fought in three different teammates and is known as locker room cancer. And I would say both are so egotistical that they got to blow their, their egos all year. You always see them in the news. They're doing this, that, the other thing, same thing with Cam Newton. So uh, I don't buy you as, as you said in text and, you know, if anybody really wants to see it, you know, you said you weren't going to tell me who it was. Um, I couldn't think of a better comparison. I, I thought of a couple, but um you know, I would have to really in-depthly think of it, but just some more facets to uh, a great comparison by you. Thanks, host. Yeah, man, you got it. Um, yeah, but, you know, same sentiment, too, about the years. I just, uh, I don't get it. Uh, as we discussed, I don't even know, however many episodes ago, it doesn't matter. Um, you know, I ran off the last uh, 26 years of MVPs, and there was one person that was A-Rod when he had the needles coming out of both arms, both butt cheeks, and both legs, uh, won an MVP at the age of 30. So everybody else that won an MVP was under 30. So uh, to be paying this guy this much money for 31, 32, 30, 31, 32, 33, 34, 35, 36, 37, 38, and I believe like 39 in six months, uh, good luck with that. That's uh, just uh, – not for me. I'm glad that I do what I rather have uh, Bryce Harper in left field over Brett Gardner and Clint Frazier. Yes. Um, would I want to have him for 13 years, 330? No. And as Paz mentioned, I could think of right now, if I was building a team, I, I sent him a list. I believe it was like 13 deep of definites. And then there was a couple on there that, you know, you really have to get in depth and in, in what you're trying to do with your team if you were doing a you know, fantasy draft per se, uh, or, you know, like you could do in a video game. Um, you know, would I want a, a, a Robles at, at 19 over Harper right now? Uh, you know, those are things that you have to, you know, would really take in context about how your team is built and the direction you're looking to go. But I, I, I listed at least 13 that right now, if you had to ask me who I'd take, I would take one of them. And then there was, you know, four or five on there who, uh, you know, played both outfield and infield or, you know, are, you know, super young, like Soto, like Soto is supposed to be one of the best outfielders people have seen in a long time, both offensively and defensively. Would you take him now over Harper at 20? You know, those are ones that are, you know, on a thin line and, uh, but neither here nor there. I don't think he's in the top 13 or maybe he's 13 uh, outfielders. And uh, so now there's 12 guys ahead of him that you're paying more money for this guy. But I will say that if he went to San Francisco or LA, his stats would not be as good as him going to Philly. So, um, he should statistically explode in this in this ballpark. Um, he's a subpar defender. Won't really matter all that much uh, in a, in a small uh, small area like that. Like you know, 
people uh, judge has an unbelievable arm, but he gets to show off that arm more often because of our short port. So he picks it up in right field and he can launch a cannon much better than someone that's playing in a 360 or 375 in the corners, uh, et cetera. I'm not saying judge isn't a great defender. What I'm saying is, you know, statistically and length of his throws, uh, you know, make him look much more prominent. Bryce Harper has to cover much less land now uh, in that stadium also. So he should, um, you know, if he wrote down a piece of paper, he should perform much better in this ballpark, um, especially with the guys he also has around him now compared to having to grow with the system of San Francisco and L.A. right now since L.A. shipped out everybody. You know, they buy it at all times anyway, so they probably refill their team very shortly in money. But uh, both of those clubs are kind of, I don't want to say rebuilding, but are trying to, you know, get traction back on their wheels from their previous years. That's that's um, one of the reasons why I really thought that's one of the reasons why I really thought Harper was almost certainly going to go to Philadelphia because it's like if he wants to be the all-time leader in look he's not going to break the home run record but you know what I'm trying to say like if he if he wanted to try to lead yeah. in some offensive categories like go to a band box band box like Philadelphia come to the come to the Yankees go to Cincinnati like you know go to a place where you can hit not go to don't go to Dodger Stadium or go to uh, what is it, Minima, uh, AT&T Park or whatever it is in, yep. in San Francisco because you're not going to hit you're not going to hit 50 home runs in, in San Francisco. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I'm, you have a I'm very good chance of hitting 50 home runs in, in Philadelphia. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I thought it was Philly all along, and then like as this whole thing kind of transpiring with the extra visits it, it kind of made me thought that philly was like completely out he had no interest in going there at, at all but um as things all you know sh- the cards all shuffle out or they're all cards are dealt you kind of see you know why people are flying here there everywhere is basically selling to the highest bidder you know driving your car into each driveway and uh you know how much you want to pay for this this uh old antique and it's basically what it you know comes down to um all right we put this off for so many weeks. I guess we get into it a little bit, especially since it's kind of on the uh, backside. So Bob Kraft. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. So the sports betting, I'll have my stuff on the college game day show again. Pause you uh, come to the game day show, either Friday, Saturday, whatever it is. Yep. I'll, uh, I'll be there. Okay. So, yeah, so we'll put the same thing as last week. Our our sports bet for this Thursday will come from uh, a much better Saturday card instead of the likes of Yale, Harvard, et cetera. Um, all right, so the, the, we'll conclude here with the, the Bob Kraft uh, stuff. And, if again, 657-383-1692 is how to get a hold of us. Um, <clears throat> this has so many facets, so I want to do it. It's, it's justice. Um, look, what people decide to do in their spare time and stuff – um, is all up to them. I'm not going to, um, look, people have illegally gambled on sports for years and years and years. Uh, that's how some people made a living bookie wise. Uh, that's basically why all these States are going to gambling. Cause they see how much money was getting bet that they weren't getting tax, uh, uh tax from and et cetera. And, uh, I'm sure that's why all the States are going that way. Um, so, you know, I'm not going to bash people that do that. Um, what you do on your own time and who you do with that, that's, that's on you. Um, my problem here is like, first thing first, like what, don't come on and say you, you 
you didn't do anything or they're all BS and uh, they have you on video. Um, they have like a, a literally a list of check-ins and checkouts. That's protocol. And that's basically anywhere, whether from a doctor's office to uh, somebody that's going to interview for a government job to whatever, uh, freaking a restaurant, um, you know, if you made a reservation. So um, they have you there. Just, just fess up. You did what you did. Um, and like I said, uh, what you do on your spare time is what you do on your spare time. If that's where you want to spend your money, fine. My problem is that I, I, I hate how – and a lot of sports radio is doing this, and there, there's a few out there that uh, have the same sentiment as me. And there's a few out there that are literally just letting this guy just go under the rug. Um, from one standpoint, like the NFL, like, oh, my God, he's going to suspend it for four games. Like, who cares? Uh, he's not a player. He's not a coach. So he doesn't get to sit in his box for four games. He's going to watch from his living room. What's the difference? Okay, that's just nonsense. The second thing is that he didn't know what was going on. So if people didn't read the backstory, the health census was – I guess from what kind of how it's written was just basically roaming around, checking out the area, um, you know, for protocol. And usually at most um, um, places, uh, whatever you want to call them, enterprises, companies, whatever, uh, they come in once a year, kind of just do a look-see, make sure everything is under protocol, everything's calibrated, et cetera, depending on what you do and where you work. That's, that's just the typical, usually got to renew it once every year or two years. And I'm sure all state laws are different, whatever. So the health census guy is roaming around. He sees three girls that are under the age of 18 cooking their eggs on the cement of the back stairs of this establishment. Okay, so he automatically says that's not good. That's pretty sketch. Rolls around the back, goes to the front, walks in this place, pretend he's just a regular guy and basically gets offered uh, a rub and tug and more. And when I mean and more, I don't mean a, a, a great massage. I mean a rub and tug and more sexually and realizes that as he walks past four of the seven rooms, Four of the rooms have pillows and blankets on the massage beds, which leads him to clearly see that people live there and sleep there. Notices that none of the females are over the age of 18 and saw these people literally cooking for themselves on stairs of, 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 of Florida stairs, the establishment. Okay. To say that, these people that are defending him that he doesn't know what's going on there is just completely baffling to me. Okay. Um, it's taking advantage of females. You're a person that's of high held to a high regard. If I go out and do something like that, nobody cares the next day because I'm a regular Joe. You're, you need to hold yourself to a high regard. And yes, with my background walking in there, I'd probably know before some what's going on. You can't tell me that the regular person, whether they have an IQ of 10 or an IQ of 2,000, don't think that something is up when you see no one under the age of 18. And, and you can't tell me that no one's ever walked into that establishment and not also seen blankets and pillows on other massage beds leading to you to believe there. You also can't tell me that that's the first time that these three females decided that they needed to cook for themselves in order to eat on the back stairs. Okay. And that's just messed up, man. And uh, there's a big difference between going to Vegas and paying for this to happen, yes, I understand it's illegal, but it's much different when these these are adults choosing to um, use their body in this way, and you know they're part of a company, and you're paying 
in a, a substantial amount, and that's how they're making a living compared to females that are being held there uh, against their will, which is trafficking, against their will, living in this establishment and eating off of stairs this establishment. And you had to know something was going on when you walked in there, and that's my problem with this whole thing. I don't care what you do in your spare time, but when you're abusing under 18 females that are being held there against their willpower, that's messed up. And I just, I, I do not believe for a millisecond that maybe he didn't know it was human trafficking. Maybe he doesn't know it was human trafficking. Look, I worked for a company before when I bartended and they did shady stuff where they, they brought, they brought people in from another country and they worked for us for like a month. And after 29 days, all of a sudden they'd be gone. You didn't know what, where they went or how they got how they left. And I actually saw one another time in when I went to my next school and, and, and which is eight and a half hours away from my other school. And they kind of just ship them off to other restaurants um, as they go and somehow work out a deal where they're like not getting paid at the previous restaurant. Cause they left a new one. It's ridiculous. And it's, um, being held against your will is completely different. And maybe you didn't know his tracking going on, but you have to know something's going on when these girls are under 18 cooking there and living there. And that's fucked up. And he should be really, really punished for that in a big way. And the fact that a lot of people are letting him get off on that is just very crazy to me. I'm sorry, pause. I took up like five minutes there. So there's only like three minutes left for you, but just your take on it. Yeah, that's fine. Um, I share the exact same sentiments as you. Um, I think the, the act of what he had performed on him is certainly not a big deal. Um, just in terms of, look, you, I walk down the streets in Manhattan every single day to and from work, you know, to and from restaurants, to and from bars, whatever. There are so many, you know, like blacked out window, little massage parlors all throughout New York city that I can only imagine. I've never been into one. Um, you know, I must, saying I, I, I have the experience or whatever, but I can only imagine what you can pay for and, you know, have performed on you if, you know, just tip them a little bit extra. And I assume that this place in Florida is probably the exact same thing as it is here in New York City. Um, so the, the issue that really comes down to is just the, you know, the human trafficking side of things. So the the act of what was done isn't really the biggest deal in the world, but the the backstory behind it and how these girls are, you know, really ultimately being held against their will. And, you know, as, as people become more and more aware of the, the injustices in society and things like that, human trafficking really has become one of the more, you know, things that have come into people's focus. And um, it's just unfortunate that, you know, these, these girls, whether it be that they're forced into it because of, Maybe it's, you know, drug stuff that their parents got into, their brother got into, whatever, or if it's their, that they're in such dire need, their family back home, that they need to come here and do things like this. And, you know, whatever, whatever the situation might be, it's just, it's just unfortunate that things like this happen in our society and, you know, that, that people have to go through what they go through to just to put a, you know, a little food on the table, just to have a meal, just to have a place to live. It's, it's unfortunate. It's sad. And um, so, yeah, from that standpoint, I mean, someone, I mean, look, nobody should be, should be going to establishments like this with, with things, you know, going on like this, but, you know, especially a, a prominent businessman, a, a wealthy individual, things like that, taking advantage of, you know, a $20 rub and tug um, 
is, or, you know, a, a $50 BJ, whatever it might be. I don't want to get too graphic on here, but, um, you know, whatever it might be, it's just, you know, it's unfortunate. Yeah, man. All right. That's going to wrap up our February 28th, uh, Thursday, 2019 Thursday night show. You give us a follow uncut sports talk, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all these live radio shows are ripped in the podcast. You can find that uncut sports talk on Stitcher radio, tune in radio, iTunes podcast. And as always on blog talk radio from your host, Rhino. And as always your co-host pause, we thank you for listening. We'll see you on the college game day show, either Friday or Friday night or Saturday morning. We hope everybody enjoys the rest of their week. Later.